Welcome to the Abiding Word with Pastor Jim Swigert of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jim is teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now let's join Pastor Jim for today's Abiding Word. Let's open our Bibles up to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Wow, that's never happened before. I just opened up my Bible and I just turned to Mark chapter 4. I didn't even have a bookmark in there. Wow, it's a good day. It's a blessing. Every day is a good day with the Lord. Amen? Now let's just go to him right now. Father, Lord, we rejoice and we're so blessed, Lord, that you desire to meet with us, Lord. And we're so thankful, Lord, during our worship time that your spirit will indeed minister to our hearts and Bring us back into reality, Lord, of, of who we are and the great depth of love that you revealed to us. And uh, Lord, we're learning more and more as we uh, live in these days that we're living in, Lord, that you're really the only thing that matters. You're the one constant, Lord. You're the one who not only keeps us afloat, Lord, you sustain us and you encourage us and strengthen us, Lord, and even in the midst of trials. And Lord, I, I know many people in the church here going through different things, Lord, and uh, heavy at times, but yet your grace is sufficient. And when we are weak, you are strong. And, and through our lives, Lord, you are shown. And Lord, we'll, we'll never completely understand that until we're in your presence in eternity. So Lord, we look forward to that. And now, Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to bring forth your word, remind us of the truth, encourage us, build us up, remind us what we're here for, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sowers, parable of the sower, or the soils, I should say. And remember, this is, this is when Jesus, he had... He had called his disciples to himself. Remember, he was on the mountain praying, and then he, he appointed the 12 disciples. And at this time, they are with him. And in this, it reminds me, when we think about these disciples, of how much we are connected to them. Because in verse 13 um, of chapter 3, we're told, the disciples were wanted by the Lord. I love that. And we can relate because it's the Lord who, who wants us. He, he's the one that went after us through the Holy Spirit. He came looking for us, and, and we've been sought by the Lord. In verse 14, then we're, we're told that the disciples were appointed. And, of course, the Bible tells us in John 15 that as disciples of Christ, we're appointed, chosen by God to do what? Well, to bear fruit. We're chosen by God, appointed by God to go and bear fruit. And then in verse 15, uh, regarding his disciples, he said, to be with him. And I love that because we don't have to go pick up a, a book called Purpose Driven Life. We don't have to go see a counselor uh, to find out what our purpose is. We don't, for goodness sakes, don't pick up a newspaper. I don't know, I guess we don't do that anymore. Uh, but don't get on the internet, go searching for your, you don't have to Google what is my purpose in life. You know, with AI, who knows what it will tell you. You know, but our purpose in life 
is to be with Him. You know, we kind of throw out that phrase, personal relationship with God. We throw it out there, but man, I am learning more and more the depth of what this means, a personal relationship with Jesus. It's the purpose of our life. It's the meaning of our life. And He's called us into it. And then, of course, the disciples were sent out to preach, to proclaim. And yes, that uh, pertaining to the original disciples, but we too, we have the same calling that these disciples did, and that we are to go make Jesus known, to bear witness of Him, to proclaim His wonderful, marvelous work that He's done in our lives. And um, listen, when we keep our purpose in the right lane, connected with Him, He's never going to disappoint us. Yeah, because we're earthly, we're, we're fleshly, we live on this earth, and you know the world gets us dirty at times, right? We, we, we need to be washed by the Word of God. And I'm so thankful to be in the Gospels because I think we need to be refreshed in what discipleship is and what a disciple of Jesus is, especially living in the days that we're living in, of keeping Jesus the main thing. And this has been a central theme, right, for the last year. I've oftentimes shared. I remember talking with Pastor Bill Gallatin from Calvary Chapel Finger Lakes when we had that conversation with him about the church plant. I was looking for great wisdom from him, and all I could say was, Jim, just stick close to Jesus. And I'm learning that is so profound. At the time, I wanted the nuts and bolts to it. Come on, give me some things here. You're very successful in the ministry, and... You have all these things that you can share. There's got to be more. But that isn't. It's the greatest advice I've ever received. Stick close to Jesus. He'll never disappoint. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And he's got a purpose and a calling for us. Just like these disciples that we're reading in the Gospel of Mark. And we can apply all this to our lives. And this morning we get to look at the parable of the soils, which reflect the different hearts of people that receive the seed, the word of God. And tell you straight up, this, this has great application for you and I. On, on one hand, that you and I received the word at one time, and we did hear the word of God, and we received it, we accepted it, and we allowed God to, to sow in our lives and, and we grow. And, but also... A part of our calling is to go sow that seed. So we're sowers. So verse 1 says, And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So in the midst of a great crowd, and I believe it was last week we looked at the great crowd was a hindrance to Jesus. Remember, he told his disciples, now listen, they're going to crush us. You need to be ready to get a boat. And here we are. This is probably a little rowboat leading out to a bigger fishing boat or something. And, and so because the multitude of people was coming against them, and so it's here on the Sea of Galilee uh, that Jesus, he got into the boat, and now he's facing, you know, they're facing him. And verse 2 says, Then he taught them many things by parables, and said to them in his teaching. So uh, Jesus is going to teach. He's going to teach by the way of parables, which means essentially to cast alongside of. Parables are earthly stories pointing to a spiritual truth and um, truth that's cast alongside of life. 
and then life interpreting that truth. And I love the way Jesus taught. Jesus is always inviting. You read through the Gospels, even when he was rebuking his disciples, even when he was rebuking the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and all, by his nature of teaching, he's inviting. And even when he disciplines you and I. Anybody ever get disciplined by the Lord? How about this week? Sometimes I think it's warfare. Sometimes it's really he's pruning. But he does it with such great love. Sometimes it's difficult. But in his teaching, he's, he's always inviting us back to him or deeper with him. And so it's the same today when we read the Bible. We should always read the Bible. You know, Lord, what, what do you want me to see? What do you want to show me today? And when we're faithful praying that, he's going to show us something. Oftentimes, most of the time, it's not going to be something so grand that, you know, the, sometimes it's, it's fresh and new that you think you have discovered something so great and now this world is it's God. But that's how powerful the Word of God is. And the Word of God's always inviting us. So verse 3 then, this is what Jesus taught here. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on a stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is the parable of the soils. Everyone who heard this parable would have been familiar with the farmer who went and sowed seed. Uh, so Jesus is going to use this, something very common, to point out spiritual truths. And verse 10 tells us then, but when he was alone, those around him with 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So the disciples, I'm so thankful the disciples asked Jesus this question because, you know, you hear people, teachers say, Pastor, well, these parables, they're easy. I don't know. They're not easy for me. I have to read and reread. And so I'm thankful for these disciples. They, they asked Jesus the question so he can clarify uh, for them what the parable means here. And uh, he said, Jesus said, uh, to you it has been given to know. And so this provides us with a very foundational, basic truth about God. 
We know anything of God because God reveals it. A lot of times people come up, well, that's God, or this is from God. Well, it's not from God because it doesn't line up with his word. So we have revelation from his word. Right? We have revelation from his creation. But the mystery here, as, he, as Jesus shares with them, um, you know, this mystery of the kingdom of God. Well, what's Jesus talking about there? Well, as you know, in the, in the you know, a mystery, as we read the New Testament, you know, the church is a mystery. The kingdom of God is a mystery. But in the Old Testament, the kingdom was not a mystery, right? Because it was given to the Jewish people that the Messiah would be the king of a kingdom. So it wasn't a mystery. That was clear. Mystery is, when Jesus came as Messiah, his people rejected him as Messiah, as king. And we know then that this, the second coming of Jesus will usher in the kingdom of God. That's important for us to know. But the mystery of it is, when Jesus came, he had a whole different realm, a kingdom, that he would refer to, the kingdom of God. And that is the spiritual nature of the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, he now is, as we've given our lives to him, he, he's our king, he's the king of our heart, right? So it's a spiritual kingdom. This is a mystery. And as we see here, again, it's important for us to understand this. In this time period then that we're living in, Jesus is showing there's going to be evangelism. Um, there's also going to be judgment. When Jesus shared this parable, you've got to remember too, remember when Jesus healed the man with the withered hand, the Pharisees went after the Herodians. They combined. They wanted to kill Jesus. They're done with him. They want to kill him. So very early on in our, our study of Mark, we see that they were ready to do away with Jesus. And then when Jesus shares this parable, not only is it you know the parable of the soils, we're going to see the different hearts that make up those who hear the word of God and what they do with the word of God, the seed, but it's also a charge against the Pharisees and the Jewish religious leaders. As we read here, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. And again, this reminds us of uh, you know, a parable. To those who have ear to hear it, they're going to have it revealed to them. They're going to understand it. But to those who don't receive it, like the Pharisees, it would be concealed. Double duty action there from parables. That's why I get nervous when I don't understand them. Oh, let me reread it. Come on, Lord, show me. But no, the contrast to those who has been given to you, those with open hearts, receptive of Jesus to the message of the gospel, and then verse 12 tells us that those are outside. Now it's interesting when Jesus said that outside, Again, bringing indictment against the Jewish religious leaders, seeing that you may see and not perceive, and hearing that they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Jesus quoted the Old Testament here. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. 
wow, that's some red there on that screen. But Isaiah chapter 6, 9, and 10, Jesus referring back to Isaiah, the Pharisees would have known, the Jewish religious leaders would have known this. And so Jesus is sharing this. You know, they, they witnessed his miracles, they heard his teachings, but they had made an open decision to reject him. When all the evidence was right before them that he came to establish kingdom. Now look at verse 12 also, it says, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Here's another uh, purpose for the parables, confirming willful decisions. Again, to those who are receptive, they hear, they take the seed, it's planted in them, and when, they're, when we receive that word, it produces fruit. The desire is to turn from sin. That was God's desire with the Jewish religious leaders. Now again, you go to verse 13 then. This is important. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Again, Jesus talking about the, you know, the kingdom of God. And when Jesus comes again, he's setting up the kingdom of God. There's a time period. And it's important that we understand the timeline of God's prophetic word. Otherwise, we can get our theology off and we get off. And obviously, for the Pharisees, they, they completely rejected. It wasn't even about that. From They just they rejected Jesus. So now we come to the gist of you know, what Jesus explaining the parable then. Verse 14. The sower sows. This is the one who is spreading God's word. Certainly when Jesus came, the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand and calling for repentance. As we live in this church age, this age of grace, we are the ones who go out and sow. And I, I love hearing stories. Please keep telling me your stories about how you're sharing, right, Dennis and Jill? I love hearing the stories of, because it's powerful, we don't get to hear what's all going on in different people's lives, right? But when I hear people sharing the gospel, going out, handing out tracts, and right in the midst of the warfare that they're going, that's encouraged, that gets me fired up. And I have this picture of Satan get kicked right in the mouth, because he can try, he can, he can do whatever he wants, but you know what, when we're obedient and we go sow the seed, it's, it brings the truth. Proof. People believe in a lie. And so the sower goes out to sow. Sow the word. The word of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And now we're going to see these different hearts. Uh, different attitudes. Of when the, the seed is sown. The word of God going out. And I tell you, every one of us are going to be relate in some fashion of reading about these different soils, the different attitudes upon hearing the word. Because you sow the seed, you know these attitudes are real. This is real. At the same time, this also applies to our heart as believers. Again, the Spirit of God always bringing application and always inviting us to him. And so verse 14, Jesus said, 
And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And so, the wayside. And this refers to the past that ran, uh, you know, fields, you know, as people traveled, hardening the, the ground. And as the seed was sown, it would just go on the ground. It would not penetrate because it was so hard. And it's reflected here. Jesus said that Satan comes and immediately takes the word. Interesting, in Matthew 13, in this parable, it's mentioned that those who uh, heard the word, they did not understand. That's not an excuse for anybody, right? What is being said here is a person who has already made up their mind about God and the things of God, that their heart is not open up to the seed, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you understand this to be true because at one time we, we were there, right? Now, I'll ask the question, did anybody come to the Lord the first time you heard the gospel? They're out there. I know some of you probably have. But for me, it was over and over and over, and it was just, you know, the Lord had to beat it in me because my heart was closed to God and the things of God. And that's where so many are today. They don't want to hear anything about God. So anything you say about God, you bring forth the gospel, their heart is closed off. It's hardened. It's, it's callous towards God. And the Bible tells us that they're blinded by Satan. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, where Paul said, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And think about before you came to the Lord, you were blinded by the enemy to the truth of God. And so when we look upon the world today, those who reject, flat out reject Jesus, flat out reject the word of God, they're blinded by the enemy. Why is that important for us to know? Well, we need to know how to pray because we need to pray intently. Amen? And then the next one, verse 16, the next heart, the next soil, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Stony ground. This refers to the layer of ground covering bedrock, limestone, whatever. Seed is thrown here with the hopes that it would germinate quickly and obviously, um, you know, to grow. But with, with the rock, the stony ground, it wasn't able, the seed wasn't able to go down, wasn't able to germinate and grow. And this speaks of those, upon hearing the gospel, there might be an emotional appeal, but they never go on with God, never allowing his word to take root, and there's no personal relationship with God. They may speak the Christianese. They may go to church. But when the storms of life come, 
or persecution comes. They depart. And ultimately, they're, they're not true converts. And unfortunately, we see that emotionalism today is a big hindrance from people truly coming to the Lord. When it's just a, now listen, when, when you first gave your life to the Lord, it was emotional, right? It was very, hopefully it was very emotional. And hopefully you get emotional today when, 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 when you have that, those experiences and encounters with the Lord. It should be emotional. But when it's emotional with no seed, no depth, no substance, and that's where a lot of people are today. They want to feel God. And when they don't feel God, they wonder where God is. Well, God's not a feeling. He makes me feel better. Don't mishear me. But it's not just about an emotion. Verse 18 says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So the thorns choke off all of the nutrients necessary for continued growth and fruit. It's interesting, there seems to apply here that as one who hears the word for a, 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 some kind of time frame, some kind of fruit, and then it says uh, becomes unfruitful. This certainly can be debated as far as uh, this being a true convert or not, but um, this seems to be those that hear God's word, they profess to, to know him as Lord and Savior, professing to be saved, but their lives really don't change. You know, this is so important for us, and this has a lot of importance to uh, where much of the church world is today. where the cares of the world choke out the word. The world. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, we are reminded that the world is not our friend. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, of the, uh, the, wow, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. The world. When we think of the world, what is the world? Globe? Yeah. When we think of world in spiritual terms, it's not our friend, certainly our enemy, because it's the human organization set up without God. I didn't come up with that. That's a quote from C.S. Lewis, and I love that. Because we have two kingdoms here on earth. We have the kingdom of God, 
and we have the kingdom of the world. And, and the God of the world is Satan. He's the one who blinds those who hear the word, but yet don't accept or don't hear or don't apply the word or don't, don't receive the gospel message. Satan is blinding them. And certainly the world, you know, comes into someone who receives the word, they get started in their walk with God, and then the world just chokes it out. But this is how the enemy uses it against us as believers. The world. Look what Jesus said here. He said, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. We live in such an age of greed. thinking that we have to have things. We have to have things to live. And the Bible doesn't say that having money is wrong. The love of money is the root of all evil. And, you know, the Lord's going to judge it all, right? Commercial Babylon and Revelation, we, it's going to be judged. It's going to come crashing down. But how much time is spent on trying to get, get, get on the material things of this world. The world is our great enemy. And it's unfortunate that sometimes in the church world, believers, they spend more time of becoming like the world than becoming like Christ. And sometimes, or no, not sometimes, oftentimes we settle for what, not... What is God's best? Because we're too ingrained into the things of the world instead of him. And it says here, and the desires for other things entering in. Now this is other things. What, what does this mean, other things? Well, things. You know, doggone if I didn't get convicted yesterday morning. You remember a few uh, months ago we had Pastor Ted here? Remember, remember when he said, you know, if you're getting up first thing in the morning, you're checking your phone to check the news or the sports scores? Did anybody else get convicted when he said that? Anybody else get convicted this week because you did it again? Yeah. I know that's an exaggeration, but there's a lot of truth in that. Do we put God first? In everything. We, we all fall short. I, I get that. But how much of it, we talk about these disciples and, and Jesus wanting to be with them. This is our purpose. He wants to be with us. How often do we let other things creep in and just cramp time? It chokes out the Lord. The world does. And then we settle. And then before too long, when we're not connected to the Lord like he desires, that's when, that's when our thoughts go and we settle. Well, you know, I, I know I struggle. Everybody does it. Everybody gets on their phone before they get in the Bible. You know, everybody, see, before too long, if we allow that, and again, that's an exaggeration, but there's other things. I hope the Spirit's convicting all of us of something or showing us. 
And if we let that go too long, one thing becomes another thing, and another thing becomes another, and then we have desires. Other things come in and choke out the power of God's word in our life. And then when we start having thought, we, we start thinking like the world, and we start to settle. Listen, God loves us so much. He wants to be with us. And especially living in the days that we're living in now when we have all this stuff coming at us as believers. That's not even counting the warfare. This is just normal life stuff. We have things coming after us all the time, so much, heavy stuff. And so we have to hold on to the Lord. We have to hold on to Him. And so this scripture, why it definitely speaks in context of those who hear the word, and then in a very short time, the world chokes it out because of the thorns. You know, what thorns might you have that are choking out the word of God, the power of God, the power of his spirit working in our life to draw us closer that we are so clean to him? Whatever it is, spend time with him. With it. And isn't that as he wants to be with us? How, do we, how are we to be with Jesus? I mean, we don't see him. He's not standing in a bow. He's not standing in a boat teaching us. Where, well, his presence. And there's nothing greater than spending time with the Lord. Whether it's in a church service, whether it's in family time, a Bible study, or being alone with his word and his spirit teaching us the wonderful truths found in his word. Verse 20 says, But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, and some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So here we have the good ground, the, the good soil. This is a picture of those who have the heart where the seed went into, and it planted, it grew root, and the Lord led to a change. So hearing, giving heed to, paying attention, understanding. And this speaks of continuous hearing. You know, continuous hearing, a continual hearing of the Holy Spirit. And you remember when Jesus said, my sheep hear me and follow me. That is so amazing because, you know, you know when you're not as close to the Lord as he desires, right? What is the one thing? What is that one thing you can always point to? Well, I'm not spending time with him. But when, when the heart is open and hearing, accepting, meaning delight in, receiving, it's a continuous acceptance, bear fruit, to bring forth fruit. The idea here is ongoing condition that is continuous action. It's growing, ongoing, fruit-bearing salvation plant. The seed of the Word of God, seed of God in us, having effect and producing a spiritual life. Again, the one thing that is a hindrance for us is the world of bearing the kind of fruit that Jesus shows here. 
I'm reminded as you read through the Old Testament the charge that God had against his people, the Israelites, is that they played the harlot. And he continuously went against them and showed them scriptures or, you know, shared with them that, uh, you know, they played the harlot. They went after they, uh, And then they, you know, made these idols that they believed and trusted in. They were, they were mute. They were dumb. They could not talk to them. They couldn't benefit them, but they, yet they worshipped them. They made them with their hands and they worshipped them. And then in James chapter 4, the Holy Spirit says, that's adultery. When the world has a hold of our heart, we are committing adultery, spiritual adultery. That's a heavy thing, isn't it? And I say all this to bring, we need to constantly be going to him. You know, Jesus is like a fruit inspector. If you want to know where you are with the Lord, where's the fruit? What's the fruit? And, you know, we see here uh, 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. There's fruit, there's more fruit, and there's much fruit. That's what the Lord desires, and it only comes through a relationship. So as Jesus was sharing this parable, mind you, he understood he's with his disciples. They asked him, what does this mean? And he gives them the application. He understands that the Pharisees are hearing and, you know, it's an indictment on them. But what about the fruit in our life? Turn with me to uh, John chapter uh, 15. You know, I'm so thankful that in our walk with God, that... It's not a standard of produced works. It's not, okay, if you're a good pastor, Jim, you have to lead four people to Jesus every week. You have to teach 12 Bible studies, three nursing homes, blah, 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 right? Jesus isn't so much interested in our works, but the fruit, but more importantly, us. Listen to what, this, what he says here in John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Bearing much fruit. How do you bear much fruit? How do you bear any fruit? Well, we're given the exhortation and the answer in abiding in Him. As Jesus is connected to the Father, we being branches, 
connected to Jesus, he gives us everything that we need to bear fruit. The amazing thing about the Lord is, is that he never forces himself on anybody. When we read of the different soils, when Jesus was you know, showing that uh, a sower goes out to seed, it comes back to a willing choice. The people with the, uh, you know, where the seed was trampled and it could not get in you know, the callous heart, they've already rejected the Lord. And the same with the, the, same with the stony ground. It's a choice. The same with the, with the thorns. It's a choice. Those who receive the word, they hear it, they accept it, and the Lord does the work. In this, I'm reminded, sticking close to Jesus, it's about abiding in him. And that is the blessing of this fellowship. I was just sharing with somebody um, the other day, and just, you know, I have been so blessed to be able to pastor two churches. And they're two most awesome. It's part of a church plant in St. Mary's, part of a church plant here. Both are the same in the spirit of the Lord. And when we abide in him, ministry is easy. We've had a heck of a morning, right? So many things, you don't even know all the things that have gone wrong this morning. I don't even want to bring it up other than I just want to praise God. Just like our lives going through different things, not knowing how the Lord's going to do it, not how he, knowing how he's going to provide. And he tells us this, abide in him, because there's going to be fruit. When we are weak, he is strong. But the fruit, it isn't your fruit, it isn't my fruit, it's his fruit, and we don't even know how fruity we are until we stand in the presence of God, in his glory, to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Are you abiding in him, church? See, that's the key, isn't it? Abide in him. Receive from him. Get the nutrients from him. Get the power from him. Get all everything that you need from him. And he takes care of the rest. But you've got to have an open heart to abide in him. And you've got to listen. Jesus said, listen, behold, the sower goes out to sow. We've got to listen to him. Listen to his voice. Abide in him. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, so much application, Lord, for each one of our hearts as we read this parable of the soils. Lord, we pray that you would bear much fruit in our lives as we abide in you, Lord. It's our great desire to, to serve you, to live for you, and Lord, as we think about our purpose and calling here on earth, we are sowers. And I pray, Lord, that as we encounter these different hearts that, that hear the word, and whether they choose or not choose, that's not up to us, Lord. You call us to be faithful to sow the seed. Lord, we pray that you would empower us to sow that seed wherever we go. We also know, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit is our teacher, bringing remembrance of the words of the Lord. And I pray, Lord, as the Spirit speak to us in our hearts here this morning, that we would 
have an ear to hear and a heart to obey. Maybe there's things, Lord, that are choking out our relationship with you, Lord. Maybe things are coming against the time that you want to spend with us. Lord, we give you permission to prune us because we know that you're gentle, you're a loving Savior, you want the best for us, you want to be with us. And you desire fruit for the kingdom. And help us to understand, Lord, the fruit is all about you. Empower us, Lord, this week to abide in you in a special way that would bring forth much fruit. For the kingdom of God, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello. This is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com. That's Pastor Jim Swigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Church website is calvarychapelfaithfellowship.org. There you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.